Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. Today is all about abundance, yay, and time for us to have a look at how it is that we can cultivate this very special energy of being an earthling, hey, being an earthling. So I think there's various ways that people can come to abundance and really I I sort of pile them into three different ways. One way is the sort of hard work way that you learn from the Protestant work ethic of you just work very hard and um, don't have any time off and just work harder than hard and get up earlier and you should be getting up at 5am and starting work and, you know, you don't need to muck around with distractions. You just work and you're a machine and I'm a machine and we work and you know that. So... It just is tiring even thinking about that particular method. Although there's times you can sprint doing that, but the thing is, people try and turn that into a lifestyle. And when you turn that into a lifestyle, generally what happens is pain. Somewhere down the track, we're going to get pain because the part of us that is the part that needs nurturing and nourishing, that's not getting any attention. And so we're going to end up exhausted. And this way of efforting is something that as spiritual aspirants, I think we've got to watch because I know myself, if I get into that vibe of efforting, 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 what happens to me is I know my vibration ends up plummeting. I end up getting pissed off, irritable, and not at all happy with silly little things that wouldn't really annoy me if I was in a more balanced way of being. And I know that if I ignore the signs for too long and just don't do anything except work, 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 work for too long, then you end up getting sick. You end up getting a cold. In my case, that's the usual upper respiratory, even lower respiratory sort of bloody blah happens to me. Don't know what happens to the rest of you, but some people, their back goes, some people, you know, it's endless urinary tract infections. I mean, there's, there's a laugh. There's a great way to spend your time. Oh my God. Or um, irritable bowel. The creative possibilities of destroying your body are very endless, you know. And I think that no one would be doing that stuff unless they felt driven by fear to live in a world where that's the only way that you're going to get your needs met. So, one of the things that's always impressed me on the spiritual path is that we have options. And so, of course, when I'm talking about wealth, I'm doing so in the context of a spiritual life and really a path of self-realization. So if we if we just put aside the hard work and effort, um, ignore everything else kind of mentality that's very fashionable in the world, if we just put that aside for a moment and let's think about some other methodologies. The magical traditions of the world have always known that if you build enough energy in whatever way, So for some, they would use the natural associations in nature. You know, there's all these correspondences that exist that if you want something lighter, 
then you want to add more air element. Then you think of feathers, you think of white stones, you think of, of course, my mind's gone blank now. I'm trying to think of all the associations of air, but you know what I'm saying. If you want more fire in something, you want something to change. Well, you add more candles, you add more orangey red stones and you, your candles might be that colour too. And and there's so many other associations. There's lists and lists of them. In fact, in the Spiritual Mastery book, I think at one stage there used to be lists in the back of the book, at least in the first edition. I'm not sure if they made it into the second of all the different ways you can build energy on a, on a topic. So magic involves energy and consciousness combining in a way that is desirous of bringing about an outcome. Of course, this got a very bad name during the Christian era because it competed with Christianity, of course, as a, as a spiritual path. But the Druids and people like that, they were big on knowing how to do this. They would do ceremonies, um, the oracles of Delphi. What do you think all those fire pujas and things are where they're chanting incantations and building a huge amount of energy with a purpose when the priests go to someone's house? in India to clear that house of negative energy, that's a, you know, they're using the consciousness of the mantras and their intention to clear the house with the energy that's cultivated during that fire puja to achieve an objective. So all throughout the world, there is different ways of making things happen. And really that's what abundance is. We're making a thing happen. And the thing we're making happen is abundance in our lives. So it's just a matter of consciousness and energy. And if you're consistent enough with an affirmation, a vision board would help, a a vision board that has on it what it is you're trying to achieve and that you put energy into that every day, then sooner or later what you want is going to come into material form. It's just that most people lose patience way beyond when we're ready to finish the process, you know, because if we're starting from a low point of doomy gloomy it's been really terrible life's been awful and it has been then you're probably starting from a point that is a long way away from the desired outcome and it takes a while for the energy of the new thing you want to create being larger than the old thing that you had already created because clearly there's a lot of energy in whatever it is we've already created and so when we want to bring change it's just a simple thing there has to be more energy in the thing we want to change too than in the thing that we already have. I mean, it's so simple. It's staring us right in the face. It is so simple. And yet we know from, you know, the scriptures of the post-Vedic era uh, and in the Puranas and other, other holy books from the Indian subcontinent where we meet delightful Lord Brahma and he's always granting boons to those who are prayerful. But the catch is you have to pray for a thousand years to get Brahma's attention. Oh, a thousand years. And so, of course, you know, some people interpret that as, well, it's not going to happen in this life. It'll probably happen next life. I think that's wrong. But I think the answer is that it happens when your ego stops being the prime mover and when this new thing that you would like to see in your life, the, the boon that you're asking for through repetitive use of, you know, energy and consciousness, energy and consciousness. Eventually, Lord Brahma says, okay. So really, we're coming now into the third way of manifesting, which is to raise your vibration, to become a pure channel for divine light, love and power, and to become an instrument of the divine. So this is the way that I practice 
but also I use method two and sometimes I use method one. It's not like you don't use method one, but you sprint with that and then you back off. You don't stay in that. So this third method is purity. And I guess this is really where Lord Brahma comes in rather than than the second method. Because in the second method, it's really I, myself, me, and manipulating the forces of creation, as I'm allowed to do, by using intention and energy to create something. So that's method two. Method three is that I work on spiritual purity. I work on my vibration. I work on becoming one with the divine with a constant vision. And so I have to hold my vision constant for a very long time. And I also need to focus on then letting that go and just merge with the divine. So you have the vision, you're impulsed, but then you just let it go and focus on the divine and you merge in whatever way you know how to merge with the divine. And for some people, it might be going to mass and praying every day. For other people, it's doing pujas. For other people, it's doing healings and mantras. For others, it's meditation. And quite frankly, I don't actually think it matters what it is as long as for you, it's effective. And to become effective at any form of divine merging, we have to give it time because over time, our practices become richer and deeper. There's a wonderful part in the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of my favorite uh, scriptures. There's a wonderful part in there where they talk about Lord Krishna speaking as God at that time, as the Almighty in, in a body that hadn't gone through the human rounds of incarnation, that, but just pure God in a body called Krishna. He said in one part, I don't mind how you come to me. I don't mind if you want to be my friend or you want me to be your guru. I don't mind if you want to be my lover. I don't mind if you want to be my brother or you want me to be your mother. I don't actually mind how you want to come to me. I don't care if you worship me as the sun or the sea or the stars or you worship me in some other form because whenever you intend to connect with the divine, then you reach me. And so when I read the Bhagavad Gita, I'm not thinking of Krishna at that stage as a deity who has a separateness that's tangible to other deities. When I say tangible, once your spiritual antenna's grown, you can tell Vishnu from Saraswati, you can tell Shiva from Archangel Michael. Once your spiritual sensitivities grow, you can tell these divine presences from each other. I felt that he was speaking as the infinite because it's the one. And it's hard for us to think of oneness in that way And I guess given the law of correspondence, as above, so below, as below, so above, how can you have an example here on earth of something that although it's many, it's one, the oneness, it's just the oneness. And for me, I think of the largest, well, the second largest actual thing on earth that is made by nature. I used to think it was an elephant or a whale, but it's actually an aspen forest, an aspen forest which can go for miles, for instance, in Colorado and other places, uh, which looks glorious, of course, in um, autumn where they're all turning golden together. But it's not lots of trees. It's one tree. It's one tree and its root system is one root system. There is no tree next to it. It is itself next. It's just the one organism. I just find it gobsmacking to think 
that a whole forest is not separate trees, it's one tree. And so that's, that was very helpful in thinking about, oh, how, did, how does Narayani relate to Archangel Gabriel or how does, you know what I mean? It's just like, what's well, the one? It's like an aspen forest. Some of them can go a bit golden first than others or whatever, and so it is that we connect with some more easily than we connect with others. You might say, what's this got to do with manifesting? I'm here for an abundance class. Well, the thing is that pretty much any divine being is entirely capable of creating anything. It doesn't matter whether it's Mother Lakshmi, who's the goddess of wealth and, and prosperity, or that's how she's seen anyway, or even Kali, who we've been doing a lot of Om, Kreem, Maha, Kali. You know, we're doing stacks of that at the moment. And really her specialty is dissolving, disintegrating and destroying, but she can create anything because she's the, she's the oneness expressing as the power of destruction. So when you're on this third way of creating abundance, then what you kind of do is generally have a thought about what it is you'd like in your life. And, and the best way to really set that up is with vision boards I've seen a couple of the earth angels getting into vision boarding in the last little while because I've got plenty of time. You can download images off the internet, put your vision board together, and then just have it where you pray, have it where you meditate and bless it every time and, you know, surrendering to the divine. So you're using a little combination of two and three there because you are adding energy to something that you'd like. But you're surrendering it to the divine as well and saying, um, you know, you've probably got a better idea. So this is what I think would be great, but you've probably got a better idea and you'll know how to figure it out. What I've found with method number three is that very often the results of the manifesting are gobsmackingly greater than anything that you ever could have dreamt up yourself. It's as though the divine is not limited at all by the miasma of thought forms and beliefs that humans are all infected with you know we are we have we have infections of beliefs and some of those are very bad for us very undermining of our well-being and our capacity to have wealth so typically the most infectious of the thought forms and beliefs we can have is a belief that we're not worthy the divine wouldn't want to bother with someone like me or you know, the divine couldn't care less or I'm not a person that would get the sort of miraculous help that some other people get. And any version of poor me and I'm not good enough is an infection in your mental capacity really. And, and we really need to try and get rid of that infection. Of course, that means that other types of programs, anything to do with building self-esteem, anything to do with emotional management and mental management is also relevant to this third way of manifesting where we want to cultivate humility because I do think it's true that the divine favours the humble and Jesus taught that the divine favours the meek is the way it was interpreted but I think it was a misinterpretation from language to language. I'm sure that he was talking about humility and the humble state is different to the meek state in my book because meekness often has a concept of subservience and I don't think it's what Jesus meant. I really don't. That what we're talking about is I'm good enough. I mightn't be perfect, but as I am, I just offer what I have. I just 
you know, you can't be better than your best, to try and accept yourself as you are. And that self-acceptance is absolutely so liberating because it gets rid of a lot of the comparison that also is an infection that tends to plague our consciousness and make it quite difficult for the divine to deliver um, the things that we're saying that we'd like from an abundance perspective. So the infection of I'm not good enough is very similar to the infection of arrogance. They're just two sides of the one coin of a person that's not comfortable in their own skin. And so this capacity to develop humility is relevant to the third of the ways of manifesting abundance because I'm sure the divine favours the humble. (laughs) So a humble person has quiet confidence in themselves and someone who really inspires me with their humility is actually my husband, Shiva. He's just such a well-rounded human being and, you know, he's, he's mixed with leaders and um, prime ministers and premiers and presidents of different countries and leaders of business, movers and shakers in all of the big areas of life. But he doesn't, like, he doesn't lead with that. He doesn't name drop. He doesn't do any of that. He just is a, a very humble person who helps whoever's in front of him. And those of you who've spent time with him will know that what I'm saying is right, that it's true. He really does. He's the person who'll be in the kitchen at parties, not because he's not social, but because he can see the washing up needs to be done and there's no one doing it. So he'll go and do it. There is just no arrogance in him. And he certainly does not come from an I'm not good enough place. Just doesn't. He just completely believes in himself and is completely happy pottering around in his garden, playing with his grandkids and not having anything to do with that high society thing that was part of his life as a working man when he was in his career, which he could have maintained, but just, you know, just didn't because it wasn't his passion. I just wanted to give an example because if you're looking for, I think sometimes to have a role model is helpful, you know, how do you define humility? Well, just watch Shiva and see how he is he has no desire to be in the limelight particularly you know what I mean and he's not less than at all so that fine line between the two I believe is humility and I think humility is a key to abundance in the third method of manifesting in the first method of manifesting which is work your butt off and sacrifice everything else in your life bit of arrogance doesn't go astray sometimes, you know. You find that those who are cocky and believe in themselves a bit too much tend to boot the other people out of the way and climb over them <laughs> to get where they want to be, and we've all seen that happen. Karma's going to get them. Karma will get them because that's not okay, and if you were able to watch their lives unfold over time and see the carnage that they bring into their life, it's not going to lead to happiness, wholesomeness or peace for those people. And I reckon in the end they, they will also sacrifice their abundance because they're the people who marry and then get divorced and lose half of it anyway or more than half of it, you know what I mean? So there'll be things down the track that they might not talk about how they've then lost this, how clever they are, you know, they've lost it again. So this path of, of humility and merging with the divine is where you're going to get the gobsmacking abundance from and by which it's not necessarily that you have a million dollars in the bank, but it is the sense of deep 
confidence and knowing that you're going to be okay and that whatever happens to you and wherever you go and whatever weird twists of fate befall our culture and our society, that you'll be okay. You'll just be okay. And that it will turn out in a way that you and your family, you'll be fine. You know, it might mean that you have to adjust. It might mean that you have to, you know, make some changes. What do you think, guys? There's a chat box down here. And uh, if you go down to the bottom of your screen on Zoom, you can comment. You can be part of this discussion. I'd love these to be interactive classes. And should you wish to type, you can about what are you thinking as I'm talking about this? Are you thinking, God, you're full of shit, Shakti Durga? Or are you thinking, no, this is actually very good to think about these things, to think that it's a, it's a big global kind of picture. Bringing true abundance into your life is, is not just a tinsy little thing. It's, it's broad. It's a big, broad thing. And also on, um, on Facebook, you also can, you've got a little chat button down the bottom if you want to make any any comments as we're going through, please feel free to. <laughs> Devaki's liking it. And Diana, Diana says, it sounds like my life. Well, that's really good that you can resonate with it. Yeah. And New Earth agrees about being humble. Thank you. Yes. So I think that's true. Yeah. And I think that I've always maintained that when we do that, which is dharmic, I always talk about giving, forgiving and serving and when it's relative to wealth per se, it would be giving giving tangible material or financial things to other people to help them. Then that activates the law of flow such that we can then receive from the universe. And truly it's you give a little bit to the universe and the universe gives you a lot. So when we give our time, we give, you know, because time is one of our most precious resources. We give our financially. I mean, Shiva and I both tithe. You know, it just makes sure that things are all right. I mean, you might have the odd tight spot, but you're going to be fine. So I think it's that inner knowing developed through your spiritual practices that is the mainstay of going through the kind of change that is going on in the world right now. There's another concept in here, of course, which is you can't be a smarty pants and say, oh, well, I'll just trust in God and then not do the obvious things. So there's a funny story that like it's 20 or 30 years old, this story, but it's a story of a priest who was at his church and a flood was coming and they decided that mm, it's, not a, it's not good. I better um, cancel church on Sunday because people might get stranded on their way to church. We better cancel church. So they did that. And they said, come on, Father, you should come with us. He said, no, 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 I'll be fine. I'll stay here with the church and make sure everything's all right. And so the floodwaters started to rise. And and he said, I'll just trust in God. God will protect the church. It's all fine. I'll be safe. It's fine. And they're rising more. And they're coming up. The water started coming up to the church door. And he's going, and they're saying, Father, just please come with us. This is dangerous. You can't stay in this church. And he's going, no, no, God will look after me. I'll trust in God. And then the waters are rising. Along comes a boat and this boat stops at the church, you know, because the water's so high and says, are you serious? Just get in the boat. 
and I will take you to safety. He says, no, 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 God will look after me. It's fine. Anyway, of course, the waters kept rising, kept rising, kept rising. And in the end, he drowned because the water went over the roof of the church and he got swept away in the current and drowned. So then he goes to heaven because he'd been a good priest, a bit stupid priest, but a good priest. Anyway, so he goes to heaven and um, and St. Peter meets him at the pearly gates. And the priest says, well, I think I should be in heaven. And St. Peter says, no, you can't come in here. He says, why not? He said, well, you don't trust God. He said, what do you mean I don't trust God? I stayed with the church. He said, no, 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 God was in the boat. God sent the boat and God was the boat. And you didn't get in the boat. You just wasted your own life. Off you go. And wouldn't let him in. So he had to go to purgatory. Good old purgatory. He had to go to purgatory and work on himself a little bit until finally he was allowed into the pearly gates. But anyway, I just think it's kind of funny. But the point of that is trust in God, but get in the boat if there's a boat coming. In the Sufi tradition, they have lots of stories about camels, you know, camels crossing the desert and going to oases and all that sort of stuff. So in those traditions, it's, um, you know, Yes, you can trust in God, but when you're sleeping at the, way, the oasis overnight, don't let your camel just wander around because it could run off. And if you're stuck in the desert without your camel, you are going to die. And the guide say, no, 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 I can just trust in God. The camel will stay here. God will look after the camel because camel goes away, doesn't it? So the moral of the story is trust in God, but tie your camel's leg. So do the sensible, do that which is bleeding obvious if you weren't in a zealous frenzy you would see what was obvious and common sense because I think the divine does operate through common sense so there's a couple of comments come in about all this so um Devaki Ma says I try to keep in mind that the divine is a group energy and our soul is part of that group so when asking for something we're just asking my larger self yes Then I just follow guidance to put me in the right spot for the right meditation to release the blockages in my energy that is stopping it from plopping in. I love that. That's so good. I think that's correct. And I would just add there's a patience part because often we don't think we're attached to the outcome that we're seeking and we'd say, I'm fine, you know, I'm not attached, whereas anyone else looking at you would go, you are so attached. You are just so attached. But we can't see it ourselves. And it's not until that attachment goes that the divine then plops whatever it is. And we just have to stay with our the yearning in our heart, really, for what it is we want to create. So I'll just go back to a couple of these comments. So Jamie says, it's hard to be humble and worthy at the same time. Whilst I understand what you're saying, I really do. But it's only when we are frightened that we, humility is not really possible where there's a lot of fear. Having the confidence really that I am a decent person and I'm, I don't have to compete with you, I don't have to be as skilled as you, I don't have to have the attributes you have, I don't have to be as insert whatever things are important in your life. So for some it would be beauty, for some it would be physical strength, for some it would be how spiritual are you or how spiritually developed are you. You know, you don't have to go into that place. It's just the competition is with myself, like elite athletes, you know, in the Olympics, they compete a lot against themselves. Like I want to beat my best time. It's that sort of thing. 
Yeah. So anyway, um, read the Spiritual Mastery book. There's a chapter on humility in the Spiritual Mastery book and it might help you. Martha resonates with it. The not good enough bit is tricky, yeah. I've had more of a sense of the third option after my recent time in India. I feel much greater equanimity and, and sense that it will be okay from Siddhi Shakti. Yes, that's really good. That's a good shift. You need to be open to and aware of the opportunities the divine offers us. I feel we need to be in humility to do this. Yes. And Shelley says, I like the ease and graciousness of method three. Zealous frenzy describes my working life to date. Ah, uh, yes, I so relate. That's a, it's a problem, that one, isn't it? Yeah, because it's the way society trains us. Justine also says, forget about attachment. Yeah, that's right. I'm uh, New Earth. I'm learning about surrender and it's so liberating when you just surrender. Yeah, it so is. Yes. All right. Well, so I feel like I've set out the three different approaches and really our mystery school and all of the spiritual practices we do are equipping us for the third method. I think practicing the second method, which is where you cultivate energy and try and keep your mind still on a particular place in consciousness is excellent training for the third path and of itself is helpful and and will make things happen. And so I've always encouraged people to know how to cultivate energy and to know how to still your mind and, and create some mental mastery. It's about knowing that we're connected to everything and that everything is just a thought away from us and to get yourself out of the way so it can all vest. I suppose that's how it goes. But truly, actually manifesting heaven on earth and being an instrument of the divine in creating things on earth is, is, a, is a big subject. And when I first started writing the Dimensions of Wealth book, many in the 1990s I started re- writing that book, all these other books kept popping out of it. So I thought I was writing about wealth, but then I realized that the human energy field is really important to your capacity to cultivate wealth through any divine type way. And then the Ignite Your Spirit book came, you know, all about your energy anatomy. And then it's like, well, multidimensionality, you need to know that you have a soul, that you can connect with your soul, that the divine is not your soul. If, if stuff's happening in your life and you don't like it, many people blame God, whereas that's a waste of time. Just look at your soul and your karma in the, in the, in the soul realm. Look at your karma. You'll find answers to your suffering if you look in your karma. If you could look back through time, through all the lifetimes, you'd find the reasons why things are like they are uh, because of the law of flow. What you give out, you get back, law of karma. So, you know, um, so then Spiritual Mastery Book popped out with all the spiritual laws that you need to look at if you're really serious about abundance. You just need to know those spiritual laws. And then the Soul Connection Book, which became Child of God, popped out because really how are you going to lighten up and how are you going to have this golden radiant beingness if you can't forgive anyone you know if you can't activate your heart how are you going to how are you going to be able to manifest the third way if you're all crammed up with old goo you know because you can't forgive and let go and how are you going to manifest anything if you can't keep your mind healthy and hence you know, electric violet light, dissolve and disintegrate the thoughts, bloody blah, all that <laughs> popped out. So things kept popping out. And then relationships also, for me, 
became relevant to it because truly, don't you think that's one of the main sources of annoyance, grievance, pain, suffering, emotional trauma is relationships because there's relationships everywhere you go. So if it's not your partner driving you nuts, it's people at work or it's your family or your in-laws or prime ministers or politicians or it's our relationships. And so it felt to me like how can we be consistent in our vibration to be good manifestors if we don't have enough skills in the relationship sphere to actually be able to keep our vibration fairly consistent even if other people are behaving badly you know, to have the skill to not enter into that vibrational muck, you know, but to be able to hold ourselves. So it seemed to me that all these things were actually relevant to having an abundant life if we're going to look at methods two and three. Otherwise, you're really stuck with method one and method one has some serious problems with it. So that's why it's, to me, it's quite a big study. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com.